0: This is Graduation Sunday and we are so glad uh, to honor and to celebrate. Um, But today is not just about honoring and celebrating, it's also about next steps. So when we talk about Graduation Sunday, we're gonna talk about um, going into a new season, going into uh, a new place in your life. And that is not just for our high school graduates or the ones going from middle school to high school or elementary to middle. This can be something for everyone. Uh, Whether it's uh, a new season in your job, in your workplace, whether it's a new season uh, just you feel like God calling you out to do something else, um, whether it's just a new refreshed revitalization uh, of passion for what you're already doing, uh, I think we can all relate to a topic that is about going into a new season of your life. So uh, as my wonderful helpers are passing out papers, I'm just gonna get us started this morning. Uh, Again, I am Pastor Danny. I am the youth pastor uh, at the church here, and I love working with young people. Uh, I get the privilege of hanging out with young people all the time, uh, and and it's just a a passion of mine to not just hang out with them, but to lead them to Christ. Uh, I wouldn't say that it is a fear of mine But it is a conscious thought that is always in my mind um, that when people grow up, come through youth ministry, and move on to their life, um, it's not a fear that they won't, but it's uh, a passion that they will continue to live for God and continue to serve God. Uh, There are some pretty staggering statistics that say that young people, uh, even if they're raised in the church, once they go off and become adults of their own, uh, a very small percentage Uh, will still continue going to church, but our prayer here is that we would have young people that are instilled with uh, how to not only read the Bible when they're at church, Uh, How to not only come and hear the word when they're at church, not only know Jesus when they're here at church because their family brings them, but to know Jesus on their own, to know how to read the word on their own, and to be able to stand up on their own two feet in the world that they're headed into. Uh, We at this church consider ourselves people of the word. That's one of our core values. You heard Pastor Tim mention another one earlier when he said we all belong. But another one is we are people of the word. And the word should define who we are. The word should be paramount or first every time we gather. And every time you come to Life Church, you will hear the word of God. Whether you're right here in adult ministry, but it's not just in adult ministry. It's also in youth ministry. And it's not just there. uh, It is also in kids ministry. When it says we are people of the word, it does not just say we are adults of the word. Not just adults, it is we are people of the word. So how many of you guys in here this morning are a people? Are you a person? Every single person, every single one of you that has breath in your lungs, that is alive right now, this message is for you. Because we are people of the word and we're going to study God uh, and his word, learn about what he has for us, learn that he is living inside of us here and now today, that he's not a distant God. Our children's ministry is not a babysitting service. We are teaching young people that God loves them. We are teaching young people the stories of the Bible that are, are crazy at times and how they can see God working in those stories and in their lives. In youth ministry, we are going through deep subject matter. We have gone through things like anxiety, depression, self-worth, the fruit of the spirit. We are currently talking about spiritual disciplines and how we can pull out spiritual disciplines going through the book of Daniel. Now, I haven't preached on Daniel uh, in youth ministry in a long time, but I am partial to the book of Daniel because I really like that name. <laughs> it's a good name. Uh, so if you were here, it was a couple weeks ago. I was able to preach three weeks ago. Um, how many of you guys were here for that? Anyone? So if you were here, uh, I, I started on kind of the beginning of Daniel. We've been going through Daniel in youth group on Sunday mornings, probably eight or nine weeks now, and we're only on chapter three. Uh, I do want to point out an oopsie on my page. I'm very sorry. Uh, On your page there, it says Daniel chapter two, verses 17 and 18. It is most definitely Daniel chapter three, so I apologize for that. I was like halfway in printing a hundred pages, and then I realized, and we, I, I knew you will have pens, so just write on there, scratch it out, number, this is chapter three. Uh, for those of you guys that are younger in the room, I just want you guys to know that when I am listening to a message, now this might, might not be everyone, but when I'm listening to a message, I am always Doodling. So it is okay on your page if you have some of the corners of your page, if you have different drawings or something else to go along with your pictures. I just randomly have a journal, and I randomly flipped. I actually didn't even look at this. But I have a message that says, how to get what's new. I'm guessing this is from Pastor Tim, but I'm actually not sure, because most of the time I label it. But I have, like, some weird Power Ranger-looking dude right here. I have a face with weird eyes and some random doodlings, but it's mixed in with some good notes. Make a habit of reading the Bible every day, that's that's good. We're gonna be learning about that today. Also, right next to it, I have a really bad depiction of a pig. I don't know why, but he's next to a manger, so maybe the pig is worshiping baby Jesus. I don't remember, but whenever I take notes, I am always doodling. I'm just, I just went to another page. This is called blind man resolutions. What are you bringing to Jesus? And apparently I'm bringing to Jesus a snowman. <laughs> there's a bicycle. There's some sunglasses and a face. And it says process. And as it says process, it's fading out. So I'm pointing this out. For all of you young people in the room that might think that when I'm talking it might go on and get a little boring, hopefully it won't, but you guys can be doodling in here uh, on your page, on the corners, on the sides. A lot of what I do sometimes will relate to the message, although sometimes, who knows? I guess I tried drawing baby Jesus at one point, but I'm I'm really not a good artist. But I do that to help out. So if you are a doodler or you want to start doodling, that is okay. Let me tell you that is okay. Um, As we study the Word this morning, uh, I am excited to bring you a story that I think we all know. But I'm not going to assume everyone knows it. I think most of us do, but I'm not 100% sure. We're going to hear a story that is about three characters in the book of Daniel that is not Daniel. Now, they're his three closest friends. Uh, If you were here a couple weeks ago, or if you're in youth ministry and you've been here the past couple weeks, we talked about during this time, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took over the tribe of Judah. And as he took over, he took all of the things valuable to them. He took all of their valuable, holy, sacred things, and he just took them away. He put new uh, government, new leadership, and he wanted everyone to fall in line of what was going on in Babylon, so he took like, the four most eligible uh, up-and-coming uh, young men who were going like, to be the new leaders, and he said, I'm going to take those ones, Daniel Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael, and he's going to take them and he's going to turn them into Babylonian royal army workers. And they're no longer going to be who they were. He's even going to give them new names. And the new names that he gave them were Belteshazzar for Daniel, and then you're going to understand what story we're getting into for the other three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think it's really unfair that when we think of Daniel, uh, you've heard a a really popular story about Daniel before, right? Where he gets thrown into a lion's den, and it's called Daniel in the lion's den. We kind of all know it by that. But Daniel is Daniel's actual name, and we refer to him as Daniel, Um, not the one that Nebuchadnezzar tried to take Daniel away from him and call him Belshazzar. We know him as Daniel. But for some reason, these other three dudes, they get a bad rap. I think most of of us know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but these are not their actual names. This is kind of like the false identity that King Nebuchadnezzar tried to put upon them. So their actual names, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, We're fighting for their identity. We're fighting for who they are, who God made them to be, who God called them to be. And in the midst of a government takeover, in the midst of a power shift, in the midst of some crazy things happening, uh, what we've been learning so far in youth ministry is that you need to hold on to your identity, who God has called you to be. But today, we're going to move on in the story. We already have seen some crazy things happen. We've seen King Nebuchadnezzar uh, promote some wise. It even says wise guys. I, I just like to call them wise dudes. The the smart people. Um, but mixed in with the wise guys, the 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 high uppities of government, he had uh, some magicians, some sorcerers, some uh, some astrologers, and he wanted them to all be advisors. Even if they didn't agree with each other, they were all his advisors. So King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, this is not where we're going today, but I want to give a little background to why we're going to get where we're going to get today. King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he is pretty frightened by the dream, and he wants his dream to be interpreted. So he says, which one of you guys can interpret my dream? And they're all like, oh, yeah, sure. Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. And King Nebuchadnezzar is like, no, 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 no. I need you to interpret my dream, but I'm not even going to tell you what my dream was. You have to know what my dream is, and then you also have to be able to interpret it. And the, all of his magicians and sorcerers and all of his highest um, wise officials said, what you're asking is impossible. There's no way that that can happen. Uh, and King Nebuchadnezzar gets so mad that he actually ends up with kids in here, he puts away with all of his highest uh, wise officials. <laughs> he puts them all away, and they start coming. They start coming for Daniel and some of the other uh, people that weren't like right there in his his court. So Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, they start coming for them. And Daniel, it says, he responds with wisdom and tact, and he says, "No, hold on." Your other wise uh, counsel might not have known. They said it was impossible, but he actually says, I know a God. So give me a moment. He actually doesn't even have the interpretation at the time. He says, give me a moment. I'll go tell the king what his dream means. So he goes, um, he, he prays, God, give, God reveals to him what the king's dream was, what it meant. Uh, and a brief rundown, the king's dream uh, is about this statue uh, it goes from uh, gold all the way to clay at the bottom, covering, uh gold, uh, and then it has bronze, iron, clay. Uh, and then Daniel interprets it to mean your kingdom's gonna be strong, but after a while, there's gonna be another kingdom and another kingdom and another kingdom. After that happens, it's gonna be divided and split. And then there's gonna be something that comes and crushes it, and it's gonna be washed away uh, like chaff on the threshing floor or like dust in the wind or like... I I don't know, when you try to have brownies at a teenager party, they're just all gone. (laughs) With no trace. So King Nebuchadnezzar was upset about this. And in his mind, he's like, I need to solidify my rule and my reign in Babylon. So even though you have proven to me, Daniel, that your God is true, even though you've proven to me that your God is real, I'm going to kind of still do my own thing because I know better. This is what King Nebuchadnezzar says. So this is getting us to Daniel chapter 3. In Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar comes up with this great idea. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's 30 verses, so I'm going to go through it um, pretty quickly. And then we're going to pull out some takeaways for our graduates and for those of us moving on to a new season of life. need some fresh perspective on some next steps of what God has for you. So, in verse 3, I picked the smallest print Bible possible. (laughs) King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. He already done messed up. In his dream, there was a statue, and you know what, it gets crushed. But he's like, I'm gonna do better than that. I'm just gonna make this big old statue. So he's, he's already messing up. So, uh, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent mes- messengers to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all of the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all of the officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Like I said, he had had this dream, it was kind of terrifying, he wants to solidify that he is the, the, he is the real deal and never, no one's ever gonna forget him. Uh, then Harold shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey this will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. A blazing furnace might be good for like A fired pizza, but it is not good for a human being. So, at the sound of the musical instruments, all of the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king! You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. Just reminding you in case you forgot, king. You said this. But there are some of the Jews, notice here that as much as they have tried to erased their identity as much as they have tried to make them babylonian as much as they had tried to to completely deny who they were from the past and make them who they wanted to be they're still referred to as the jews here they're still isolated they're still different there are some jews shadrach meshach and abednego whom you have put in charge of provinces of Babylon, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Can you believe this? They're reminding the king. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, King Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is this true? Shadrach? Meshach and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship my gold statue that I set up? Isn't it pretty? Isn't it amazing? You need to bow down. Is this true? And then in 13, or 15, I'm sorry, it's very small, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments, all right, get ready, I'm going to play the music. When you hear the sound, but if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? If you have a Bible that you write in, that's a good one. Underline right there. What God will be able to rescue you from my power? I think we know a God, right? Uh, all right, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, "Oh Nebuchadnezzar! We do not defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. They're still being nice and respectful. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. I'm going I'm to pause there real quick because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have three points I want you to write down. You see it on your page there? Three points. Point number one, I will stand up for the truth. I will stand up for the truth. I kind of made these as declarations this morning. Sometimes they go in different ways. Today they're declarations. Point number one, I will stand up for the truth. Whether you are going off to college, whether you're going into a new phase of life, whether you're starting something new at work, whether you're going to something, uh, a, a new fresh start, remember to stand up for what is true no matter what fancy objects they put in front of you, no matter how impressive, we will not bow before any other gods. And those gods might be popularity, those gods might be whatever you see on TV, those gods might be uh, video games, those gods might be other forms of addiction, those gods might be things that try to distract you from what is real, but we refuse to worship those gods, and we will stand up for what is true. I already mentioned that one of the things that I think about heavenly when I, I think about heavily when I do youth ministry, is that I want these young people to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves them and know that they're going to continue uh, with what God has for them, even when they move on and become their own adults. We don't want to just baby them so that they can't do it on their own. We want them to stand up on their own two feet, stand up for the truth. Uh, whenever they go to some place new. There are going to be some shiny things put in front of you. Stick true to what is God. We will worship no other gods. We will stand up for what is true. All right, let's look back down here. Uh, they were still nice and respectful of the king. Your majesty, we will not do that. We will not worship any other gods but our God. It gets intense here. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. That's my best rage face. I don't know, I don't know how good it was. He was so upset that it was visible on his face that he was angry. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up. They threw them into the furnace fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. It's hot fire. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, this is instant, there was no waiting period, suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement and he exclaimed to the advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty. We certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god, I wonder why. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, advisors crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not even touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Completely untouched. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted him. They defied the king's orders and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. He's changing his tune. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, They will be torn from limb to limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other god who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. This is a crazy story. I think we've heard it before. But it's pretty wild to think that in the face of imminent death, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said, I will not worship your false gods. I will only worship the one true God. No matter what is facing you in your life, you should not bow down to any other gods and you should only worship the one true God. Now when King Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace, notice that these three young men did not fight they did not try to fight their way out. I don't think, I mean, they were in the royal army, so they probably knew some fighting moves. They didn't, like, try to poke the eyes and kick the knees and run away. They, they didn't have any weapons. They didn't un, pull out a whip and start cracking people and, and run out of there. They actually said specifically, we will not defend ourselves because our God will defend us. Point number two this morning is that God is my defender. God is my defender. When you find yourself in college, in the dorms, uh, out about town, at your new workplace, and someone comes against you and they try to attack you or they try to put something against you or they try to tempt you with something or you find yourself in a position where someone is going to bring harm to you, These three young men did not fight. They did not defend themselves. They knew that God was their defender, and they knew that God would protect them. Even so, to the point when they said, you guys can throw us in the fire, but you know what? We're going to be okay, because God is my defender, because God will save us. He's able to save us. And these young men had so much faith in God, had so much boldness in them, that they said, even if my God doesn't save me, I will still never worship your false gods. I will only worship the one true God. I think that's hard. I think that's really hard. For us to come to a place where we could say, even if my God doesn't save me from this tough situation, even if God doesn't save me from what seems dangerous and harmful, even if I have to go through something tough, it does not change who God is. We know that we live in a sinful world. We know that people have free choice, and we want everyone to choose Jesus, but not everyone's there yet. But what we're going to choose to do is we're going to let God be our defender, we're going to let God come in and, and save us. We're gonna, I, I love that picture of them being in the fire. And it, it's kind of like a, a superhero, right? You, you know all the superheroes that can like, Superman can, uh, he's like bulletproof. So not only is he bulletproof, his body, but like his suit is bulletproof too. So you shoot him and he doesn't get any holes in his suit. The Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, their clothes were completely like that. For God was protecting them and their clothing. He was even protecting their good smell so they didn't smell like smoke. God was with them. They were completely untouched. Completely untouched. God saved them. Point number three this morning, and I think you are understanding what we're going to say. Point number three this morning, God is always with me. God is always with me. Elijah, Samaria, everyone else in the room whatever you're going to next, whatever your next steps are, please know that God is with you through it all. Please know that he loves you, that he cares for you and he wants the best for you. That God is working on your behalf when you don't see it, when you can't feel it, even when you're running away and trying to do your own thing, God is always there, ready to hold you, ready to love you, ready to bring his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. He looks on you with love. He looks on you with the proud emotions that go beyond what a, what a parent could even look at. And, and he wants the best for you. We might mess up a lot. We might do some dumb stuff a lot. We we might give in to temptation. We might do the wrong thing. We might be naughty when we know it's wrong. But God never, never, never stops loving you. He never judges you. He never puts you off and casts you aside. God is always with you. God loves you so much, and he wants you to know that. And, and maybe it's not those situations where we're messing up, but we find ourselves doing even the right thing. And we're like, God, I'm doing what is right, and I still find myself in this situation where I'm, I'm being thrown into the fiery furnace. I'm doing what you've called me to do, and I'm getting made fun of. I'm doing what you have for me, and, and people aren't nice. I'm, I'm doing what you have called me to. And I still feel persecuted. I still feel picked on. I still feel like everything's closing in on me. In those moments. In those moments, know that God loves you. And that he will never leave you or forsake you. I, I get overwhelmed because we all have situations in our lives where we don't know why the tough thing happens. Sometimes, sometimes we put ourselves in those situations and it stinks. But God still loves you. Sometimes you're doing the right thing, you're doing everything you're supposed to be, and you still find yourself struggling. You still find yourself in a situation that seems seems impossible. And just like these just like these young men were able to step out and say, God, you know what? You're able to save me, I know you can. But even if you don't, you're still good. And I think we all struggle with that idea. And I wanted to get to this thought. I didn't plan on being so overwhelmed, but I wanted to get to this thought and this idea to leave you with this morning. That whether whether your situation seems impossible or whether you, you feel like you're in a new environment or whether you feel like you don't know why you're going through what you're going through, or whether you feel like you're coming to a new season and you want more, no matter what season of life you are in. If things are the best they've ever been and you're living on cloud nine, if you um, have all these amazing opportunities in front of you and, and, and things are great, God is with you and he loves you and he wants you to succeed. He wants the best for you. But even when you're in the, in the trenches even when you feel like the world is against you. Our God is the same in the highs and the lows. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want you to know That whether you're babied and you're taken care of and your parents love you and they bring you to church, that God loves you in those seasons. But even when you're out on your own and no one seems to be there for you and you're you're going through whatever it is, God still loves you in those moments also. And you will never be alone. What I want to leave you guys with this morning. please know that God wants the very best for you. God loves you and he will never leave you or forsake you. There's many times in scripture that it talks about this idea but it also in the song the lyric that we were saying earlier it, it says I'll find the joy in every battle, because I know that's where you'll be. Sometimes in life, when, when we have it all covered and we think we're good, we can seem to feel like we don't need God, but you do in every moment. But it's really when we hit rock bottom and we come to an impossible wall that you realize you need God. When everything's perfect and you're doing just fine, you don't even think about how your heart's beating. It's beating inside of your chest right now. You don't, you don't feel it when everything's working fine. But what happens when something scary happens and ah you get scared, all of a sudden you can feel it thumping? What happens when something amazing happens and you see a pretty girl walk by, starts thumping? What happens when you, you're trying to run up the stairs or you're trying to play the sport or do the activity and you're running circles? You, you feel it thumping. If everything's normal and everything's status quo, you're not able to really tell that your heart's still beating in there. But when you're going through a situation that is out of the norm, you can feel it. Don't forget that God is with you. In the good times, so that even in the rough times when, you, when all the panic sensors are going off and your heart is thumping and, and you don't know how to make it, in those moments God is with you also. So I, didn't wanna, I, I don't want this to be a downer of a message. I, I really want this to be an encouragement. I really want this to be for anyone moving on. You're going into middle school. You're going to college. You're going to high school. You're starting a new job. You just have a new sense of calling in your life. Step out with faith. Stand up for what is true, knowing that God will be your defender and he will always be there with you. Bow your heads as we pray. God, I thank you so much for what you've done this morning. I thank you for the sense of love that you have shown us. I thank you for the growing sense uh, of your presence that we feel in the room in this place right now. And God, I pray that that would never leave us that we would always know that you are with us. That when times are good, when times are bad, when times are all in between, that we would know that you are always there for us. And it doesn't matter what shiny things are put in front of us, what hard situations are put in front of us, what, what stony steps are in front of us, what hard things are in front of us, God, we know that you will be with us, that you are there for us, that you love us and you have a plan for us. So God, I do pray over our seniors going to college right now. I pray that they would hold close to every truth that you have put in their hearts, that they, would, that they would know that you are their God and that you will never leave them or forsake them, that you have died on the cross for their salvation, and they would never deny you. God, I pray for the ones going from eighth grade into high school, from middle school, uh, from, from elementary into middle school. I, I pray for, for people uh, just having a new day tomorrow. Each and every day is a new day to set forth in what you have for us. So God, I pray that we would be emboldened. Emboldened to say that we will serve no other gods and that our God is fighting for us. That our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, we still praise him. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. And we commit our lives following after you. In Jesus' name. Amen.